Welcome to Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and this is the podcast that's all about art, creativity, and learning. We all could use a little creative nudge every now and then, something that will prod us, encourage us, and give us a shot of inspiration. Well, Artistic Accomplices is the podcast that does just that. It gives you small doses of motivation and creative encouragement. So as you make, create, play, and live, I'm here to share my thoughts on art, creativity, and learning. I'm also going to interview artists, writers, educators, and much, much more. So like the gym buddy that motivates you to hit the gym on a regular basis, Artistic Accomplices is that little voice in your ear telling you to hit the studio or to pull out the paints or to pick up the pen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's dive into today's episode. Thank you so much for being with me again on Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott, and I am here as I am every couple weeks to talk to you about art, creativity, and learning. So today I want to talk a little bit about this notion of talent and also about how we can approach our creative work in a more realistic way so that we're not overwhelming ourselves with ideas, with notions, with how complex things are. Um, But let's kind of touch on this notion of talent. I'm going to dedicate an entire episode here in the future about it. Uh, But I I think that a lot of people just kind of overwhelm themselves. I think this goes back to those notions that I've talked about before about, um, about resistance, judgment, and attachment. And I think this is part of that resistance that, oh, I don't have the talent. I'm not artistic. I'm not musical. I'm not whatever. Um, and a lot, you hear that a lot from people and you hear a lot of people saying, oh, you're so talented. You're, you're a talented artist. And I really, I don't like that word. Um, but a lot of people use it. And one of the reasons I don't like it, I think it just kind of boils down this very complex notion of what creativity is. And it, it, it brings it down to like this single notion, this single idea. And it just, completely oversimplifies what creativity is, what creative work is, and how much work it goes into it. Um, And so this notion of talent kind of conveys this idea that you have it or you don't, that it's a God-given talent. Um, And so if you believe that, then it's really easy to kind of dismiss any kind of pang that you have, any kind of urge you have to create, and you can just say, oh, I'm not talented. And one of the things that has been bringing this up is that I'm getting ready to actually leave a little bit later today to drive to Ocean City, Maryland to teach at Art and Soul. Art and Soul is one of the the big art retreats that happens in in a couple different, a few different locations around the country. And I know that I'm going to run into students that are going to say, I'm not an artist, I'm not really talented. And 
again, this goes back to the way we we label ourselves, how we identify ourselves. And it's it's a part of that resistance that we have. And, and how do we overcome that resistance? And so that's kind of what I want to focus on today is a way that we can can pretty much simplify things. And, and that's the that's the theme of this episode is keep it simple. But before I I talk about that. Well, actually, kind of related to it, I want to talk about Bob Ross. Um, Bob Ross has become a cultural cultural icon, and he's he's been everywhere. Um, and you can buy T-shirts at Target. You can buy bobbleheads. You can buy the Chia Pet uh, Bob Ross. So he's he's really everywhere. You can buy puzzles. Um, and so his image, his ideas, his uh, his notions are kind of out there, and he's become this. This, like I said, this this pop culture, pop cultural icon. Um, but I remember when I was in middle school and high school watching him on our local PBS station back near Pittsburgh, and my dad and I watched him a lot. And and it was one of one of the ways that I kind of felt like I bonded with my dad. Um, and so one year for Christmas, this was like middle school, high school, back in the late 80s, early 90s, of course, before he passed away in the 90s. Um, but I watched him and I was just amazed, like like probably hundreds of thousands of viewers uh, were and still are kind of amazed at at what they what they were seeing, how this painting came to life in just 30 minutes. And it, it just cap- captivated me. It um, kind of astounded me and it, but it, it seemed not simple, but it, it kind of seemed doable. And for Christmas, I think my sophomore year, my parents got me a Bob Ross painting set and I was so excited. And, and I just, you know, I, I, I was painting along with him. It, it's actually really hard to paint along with him watching the episodes. Um, but I had the I had a book and you know it's like I, I tried to emulate him and I used his techniques and, and it was really cool and Bob Ross kind of had a, a very simple motto that he believed that everybody could paint using this simple method and that it wasn't about talent. Now I'm very fortunate I actually got to go see a couple weeks ago an exhibit of 24 original Bob Ross paintings, probably paintings that he did as the, um, the example, the, uh, the exemplar that he painted in the show. So not the one that actually came from the show, but the one that he did, that he modeled the one he did in the show. So anyway, um, so my little town of Percival, Virginia got an exhibit of his. So the Franklin, uh, Park Art Center, uh, which is a perform or the yeah Franklin Park Art Center is a uh, performing art center here in town and they have a little gallery space outside of their theater and they got got his his work and uh, so it's been it's free to the public and it's been selling out which me- meant that the tickets have, have just basically been snapped up very quickly but I was fortunate they re-released the extend extended the the exhibit and released more tickets and my wife and I got to go and it was really interesting to, to see his work in person. Um, I, I'm not blown away by his work. I'm not particularly fond of the work. Um, I think it's more a nostalgia thing for me thinking back about like, that's kind of my roots. That's how I got into 
painting and that was my first real painting set um but i mean they're they're really kind of cool to look at and to see um i'm not a big landscape person if you've ever seen any of my work i'm i'm more abstract more contemporary uh landscapes although i love nature and i love being out in nature i don't love painting it um i kind of feel like well i have a camera if i really want to capture it uh but i i saw you know so i got to see his work but what was really interesting was they had a documentary showing in their theater space during the exhibit that you could watch and it was all about bob ross and kind of how his show the joy of painting came about on pbs and in it they interviewed um uh people like his business partners and his friends and stuff so it was really kind of interesting to, to get this glimpse into his life because I never really knew too much about him other other than his his show but there was a quote in there that really struck me and it's it's the one that kind of really stood out the most and uh, it, this is a Bob Ross quote so in it I think he said it during one of his shows or maybe during an interview but he said, talent is a pursued interest. In other words, anything that you're willing to practice, you can do. And I think that's such a profound statement, especially when we are thinking about creative work. And so, like I said, I'm going to tackle that notion of talent in a future episode. But it, it, this notion of a pursued interest, that you practice it and you can do it. And so I think with a lot of creative endeavors that a lot of people do kind of feel like, oh, well, it's a talent. Either you have it or you don't. And so, oh, I'm not talented, so I, I can't do it. But really, I truly believe that. I believe that talent really is about a pursued interest, that there's something about that thing and I pursued it. So for me, that was drawing as a kid. I mean, I loved to draw and I drew and I drew and I drew and I kept doing it. And so I got really good at drawing because I did it all the time. And we can see the same thing with sports that early on, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, they had that talent and, you know, they're just born with this gift. And, you know, but with a lot of sports people, a lot, a lot of uh, basketball players, baseball players, ba uh, football players, that they were interested in it at an early age, and they did it all the time. And I think, I think about my brother and myself. My brother's two years older than I am, and he was kind of like the, the sports one, the, the, the athlete of the family. I was the artist of the family. My sister was the musician of the family. And my brother loved baseball. I mean, he played football too, but baseball was, was the thing that he really loved. And he would just go out and practice all the time. Uh, and he, he was a pitcher and he was pretty good. And I just remember in our one house that we lived in, we had this kind of, you know, it was a two-story duplex. We lived on the bottom floor of it, but it had this like huge wall. There weren't windows. And so my brother would go out there. I mean, he and I both did this, but he did it a lot more than I did. He would go out there with a tennis ball and throw that ball up against the wall and it would bounce back and he would catch it and he would be out there for hours so you'd be inside the house and you just hear dunk 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 and he was just out there all the time throwing that ball against the house and when we moved we moved into a house where you couldn't do that we had something that 
at that time they called it a pitchback, and so basically it was like this net with springs, and you throw the ball into it, and then the net catches the ball, and the springs kind of spring it back, and it throws it back at you. And so he would go out there again for hours and hours, throwing the ball into this pitchback. Um, he and I would go out and throw all the time and play catch and stuff. So I just remember it's like he was good because he did it all the time. I like baseball, but not like he did. And so he was much better at it than I was. And it, again, it goes back to this notion of practice. And so I see that, you know, like as a teacher, I taught element, I've taught elementary kids. I've taught high school kids. I've taught adults. I see that over and over again about how people kind of forget that notion that like you have to pursue it. It's a pursued interest. It's not, oh, I'd like to do this, so I'm going to go out and do it one time. And, oh, I can't do it, so I'm no good. I'll never do it again. You have to pursue it. And unfortunately, I think a lot of students, whether they're little kids or even adults, sort of set themselves up for failure from the very beginning. So first, there is that mindset, like I was talking about, that resistance, that judgment, that attachment, that mindset that people have about talent or having no talent sets them up for that failure, sets them up for being overwhelmed right from the beginning. So I I think that's part of it. But then also I think about it as far as how people approach the creative process and how they approach making art or baking or whatever the creative endeavor is that they want to want to explore that they forget that you have to be a beginner so often I think beginning artists beginning writers beginning creatives set their expectations just too high and then then they get overwhelmed and I guess it's ties into that notion of attachment we're attached to what we think an artist does, what we think a writer does, what, what we think a musician does. And we see those examples around us. We see the books, we see the art, we hear the music. And we say to ourselves like, oh, I, I want to do that. I want to be that. I want to do that kind of thing. I want to make that kind of art. I want to write those types of songs. But the problem is that we aren't seeing all of the time and the effort and the practice that goes into it so we're seeing that culmination of years and years and years of work and we're not seeing all those years of trial and error of mistakes and misstarts we we're, we discount all that work that has gone before i have i have people all the time that come up to me and they'll see a painting of mine and they'll say well how long did it take you to paint this painting and I'll say 40 years and they kind of scratch their head and they're like, no, like how this painting right here. And I, I said, well, yeah, this painting only took 15, 20 hours to do, but I could not have done it with all, without all those years of experience behind me, that all that work, all of that practice, all of those ideas, all those things that I've been through actually have made it possible to make this painting in a, in that given amount of time. So all of that goes into that painting. You don't see it. It's like that the iceberg analogy that we only really see. We see 
the tip of the iceberg, but we don't see the, the big massive part underneath the water or the, I think it's a duck analogy. Like, you know, on, on the surface, we see a duck is just kind of swimming along, very peaceful, very calm. And underneath the legs are kicking like crazy to, to keep it moving and to keep it floating and to keep it going. Um, and so I think that, that that's what happens with art with creativity is that we see the end product of all of this work and we just assume that it must be easy that it must be oh you're talented and so we see that and then we're like oh well i'm gonna do that and then we try to do it and then it's really difficult it's really complex it's really not what we expected so we get frustrated and then a lot of people just stop they, they go oh i can't do that I'm, i must not be talented but if we start to kind of turn around and think about like, well, yeah, art, creativity, creation is a complex endeavor. And to see these, these end results out there in the world, we have to understand that, that really it's about, it's about experience, but it's also about trying to keep things simple trying to simplify things. So even the most complex ideas can be simplified into more uh, manageable steps. And I, and I think that's kind of what has happened with art education is that a lot of art teachers have taking, taken very complex ideas and then broken them down into simpler, more manageable steps. And so then they're, they're able to kind of lead students often kind of by the hand through these steps and then the kids get this like oh look at this great piece of artwork the kids made and it's like well no the art teacher made it and then just led the kids through the recipe through the steps and so then the kid has this thing that really they couldn't have done on their own because they never learned how to kind of break down a more complex task into simpler steps the teacher has already done that for them um so as a beginner, as a, well, even not a beginner, I mean, I've been making art for 40 some years now, I still have to remind myself that sometimes I have to keep it simple. And of course, I can't help but think about that, that adage, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. I think there's even like a book or something out there. And um, I always, I always thought that I was a bit harsh. Keep it simple, stupid. Like either somebody's calling you stupid or you're calling yourself stupid. Uh, so I, I kind of like to think of it like keep it simple, sweetie. Um, or when I taught little kids, I, I'd say keep it simple, silly. Uh, so, you know, kind of keeping, keeping that in mind, keep it simple. And so if we can simplify it, we can actually have, have, uh, greater success maybe, or we can see our progression and our growth more clearly. Uh, we're not so overwhelmed with the complex nature of that. And going back to Bob Ross, I mean, he was kind of a master of that. If you really think about his approach and the way he painted was a very kind of simple, here are the basic techniques. And then he did painting after painting after painting, and he changed it up a little bit every time to try something different, try something new to keep it fresh. And I didn't realize it, but he had made over like 300 episodes of the joy of painting. And it was like, I think 13 seasons or something like that, that he, he had done. Um, 
And so he had, he had made a lot of paintings using this simple method. So he took uh, this notion of a complex work of art and then broke it down into here are simpler steps. Here are simpler techniques and anybody can do that. So the only problem is that you do run into the chance of it becoming a bit monotonous. So if you're kind of keeping it too simple for too long, you can get a little bored with it. And that's kind of what happened with me with the Bob Ross approach. I started doing it. It was like really cool. And I was learning how to use the paint. And then I quickly got bored with it, uh, partly because I'm just not a landscape painter. And part of it was I wanted to paint other things too and learn how to use the paint in different ways. But when you keep it simple, you can learn techniques, you can grow, and you can really master something and then move on. But a lot of people don't think of that. And a couple, couple uh, examples come to mind. Uh, as the manager of a local art center, we have a pottery studio. And we have about eight pottery classes a week. And a good friend of mine uh, teaches one of those classes. And he and I have had conversations before. And he, he tells me how these students, beginner students, they're interested in clay. They may have done clay a little bit, especially maybe in high school or maybe they took a class in college. But then they come into his class and he always tries to talk to them to kind of see like what are what do they expect to get out of this class and he says that inevitably somebody kind of just says like oh yeah I want to make a, a, a dining set of plates and bowls and or another person's like oh you know I want to make a set of mugs for my daughter's wedding or you know so you, you get these people that have these like grandiose ideas and then he he says he just kind of has to chuckle because there's no way they're going to be able to do that in the time that they have. So they're eight week classes. They meet for three hours each week. So there's eight classes, three hours each, and it's a beginner class. And they may have never have done clay on the wheel, on the potter's wheel. And they're lucky if they can get one or two pieces that they feel are pretty successful because number one, it's a difficult skill. Throwing on the wheel is a difficult skill. It looks easy when you see somebody who's mastered it doing, do it. And I think that's part of the problem of why people, you know, they see somebody do a painting like Bob Ross. They see somebody throw on the wheel. They see somebody bake this beautiful cake and, you know, with social media, all those videos are out there that, that show, oh, look, this looks really easy. And so people come in, they have that expectation, but it's actually a very complex thing. So learning how to throw on the wheel is a very complex thing. And they don't want to take the time. They, they just think like, oh, I'm going to go in, I'm going to throw some mugs or I'm going to throw some bowls. And it's not what they, they think about. You know, they don't see how it's so complicated. Again, it's that iceberg. They, they have this notion, they're, they're seeing this beautiful hand-thrown dining set, but they don't really see all the work that has to go into that. So throwing on the wheel is very complex and you need to learn all these different skills and techniques and you have to really master them before you really 
can can do those things successfully. So like throwing a mug or throwing a plate or throwing multiple plates or throwing multiple mugs that all look kind of the same, that takes time and it and it takes years often to learn all those things and to be able to do it well. And so people become frustrated because oh, I just got this like tiny little cylinder after 8 weeks of of throwing on the wheel. And it's like, yeah, because this is something that you're not just going to catch on to and, you know, be a master of it in eight weeks, eight classes. I mean, my friend will even say, like, he's always learning something new. And he's always turning to friends of his and finding new techniques and new ways of doing things. And so that, that notion that we're always learning, we're always students. Um, another example of this is writing writing a novel especially so you kind of hear about that like oh people are going to write they're they're going to write the great american novel whatever whatever that is but the problem is though that a novel is a very long story and very complex and there's a lot of things to think about and so if you sit down to write a novel it is very difficult because you have to have so many things in mind you have to work things out and so if you just sit down to write it you can very, very simply get overwhelmed with all that you have to do, all that you have to keep in mind, all that you have to keep track of. So it's very overwhelming and it intimidates so many people. And that's why a lot of people say that like, oh yeah, I'd love to write a novel, but they never do because it is such a complex task. But if they were to sit down and just write, that's the first thing. It's like you, you, you got to write. If you're going to write a novel, you have actually have to make time to sit down and do it. And you write. But, you know, don't start out to write a novel. Start out by writing a short story or sit down and think about a character and write a character study. Um, and then, you know, you kind of start thinking about one aspect at a time. Now, I've never written a novel, so this might this advice might be totally out there, but it seems pretty plausible to me um, but it seems like if you sat down over time you could sort of start to piece it together and then as you write as you gain experience as you are practicing your craft then you'll be learning and you'll, you'll figure things out and then you can always turn to other people to other writers to other artists to other bakers to other musicians and learn from them as well but it takes time. So creativity, creation, creating something, going out there and making something that didn't exist before and doing it well takes time. And unfortunately, too many people don't, don't have, well, I don't want to say they don't have the time because I think they do. It's just that we live in a, in a culture that's very much instant gratification. I mean, you can buy a frozen meal and in five minutes you have yourself a meal. You know, we could roll up to the takeout window and order our dinner and have it delivered to us at the next window in like five minutes. So this notion of time is something where people are like, oh, I don't have time. It's like, well, yeah, I saw you sitting there for half an hour on your phone. It's like you could have taken that half an hour and you could have written something. You could have drawn something. You could have done something simple. And that's 
that I think that's it. It's like you just need to dedicate the time. You need to go into a studio and sit down. You need to sit down at your couch. You need to go into the kitchen. You actually have to do it. And we have to build up. We have to learn and we have to grow as a creative person. But too many people, they want it done now. They want to be able to sit down at a microphone and sing like whatever pop star. Or they want to sit down at a canvas and they want to be able to paint like whatever artist they're looking at. And they don't realize that it really is going to take time and practice to get good at it. But that's why keeping it simple, we can see those results pretty quickly. So if we simplify it, and I think about my approach, like when I look at my journal pages or I look at some of my artwork, some of it's very complex. But what I've learned to do is I've learned to break it down into steps. I've learned to say, okay, if I just focus on the watercolor, let's use watercolor first and I can paint down watercolor, but then I could use other techniques and build up layers of just watercolor with very simple techniques, nothing too grand, nothing too fancy, nothing, no expensive materials. I just sit down with watercolor, let that dry. Oh, I've got some watercolor pencil. Now what can I do with the watercolor pencil on top of the watercolor? And then I add some watercolor pencil. Oh, I've got some ink now. Once the watercolor pencil's dry, let, oh, let me draw some shapes. Oh, I can draw some lines. What if I stencil in a word? And so by taking it step by step, I can take a complex notion, break it down into more manageable steps. Now that takes time to learn how to do that. So oftentimes as a beginning artist, it's just about today, I'm going to sit down with watercolor. And I'm going to learn all these different ways of using watercolor and try things out and experiment and play. And so that goes back to a previous episode where I talked about play. And I think about playing and exploration as, as a, a way to kind of simplify things. Like I'm not, I'm not setting out to make a masterpiece. I'm just setting out, let's see what, what these materials can do. I'm setting out to see what happens if I take this idea this notion of connection or identity and explore it in some way. And by keeping it simple, I, I can be more successful because I, I'm not getting frustrated because I don't, because I'm, I'm not getting frustrated because what I'm trying to do isn't matching some preconceived notion of what I think it should be. Think that made sense I'm not really sure um so i just wanted to, to share a, a quick podcast this week since i am heading out in a little bit uh gonna hit the road and go and teach um three days of classes and but the, you know the, the, this has been on my mind because i am going to go teach i am going to encounter people who have these preconceived preconceived notions they have these ideas about their talent. They have ideas about trying to do something very complex. And how do you take that and rein it in? How do you simplify that? Now, I don't have the answers to, to how you simplify things, especially in different, uh, different creative uh, paths, different creative endeavors. Um, I can speak at from it from the visual arts point, but um, just kind of that, that notion of yeah, it's going to take time and 
practice and that this notion of talent, that if I'm really interested in pursuing this creative endeavor, whatever it is, I need to pursue it over time. It is a pursued interest. I need to actually commit time and I have to realize that I need to build up skills or I need to master certain things first. So if I can simplify it and simplify my approach and simplify the tasks and, and break it down step by step or just try simple things at first to get a feeling to, to learn, to grow, to try different things, then I can be more successful, not get so frustrated, not get so overwhelmed. Um, but anyway, that kind of wraps it up for today. Um, so just remember, kind of think about how you can keep it simple, like maybe rein it back, step back, look at your, your workspace, look at what you're working on. What can I focus on? How can I focus on a single idea or simplify things um, and see how that can help you? And anytime you feel like that you're not talented, just remember that talent is a pursued interest. And the, the more you pursue it, the better you get at it, the easier it becomes. But even for the masters, even for people that have so much experience, it's not always a cakewalk. It's not always the easiest thing. Um, creating art, being creative takes risks no matter what your skill level is. But by keeping it simple and simplifying things, you can see those results quicker and you can hopefully be more confident in the things that you make. So anyway, that wraps it up for today. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate anybody that's out there that's uh, stuck with me and, and is listening to my words. So remember, um, you can you can check me out online. Uh, I got my website. I've got a Facebook page. Um, Please check it out. If you ever have comments or questions or suggestions, drop me a line somehow, and I'd be happy to uh, hear from you. So anyway, until next time, and as always, happy creating. This has been Artistic Accomplices. I'm your host, Eric Scott. Thank you for joining me. Thank you.